Let's get ready for work. When you're researching your other opportunities for your leverage funds, data, qualitative and quantitative matter. And so if you have a really robust program that you are invested in that you're working on now, that data is going to be critical in your next applications or next opportunities of seeking funds. Braided funding and alignment of partnerships are key when creating sustainable systems and programs for your community. Lindsay Gibbs and Alex Loverin from Metropolitan Community College in Omaha. Join us on episode 46 of Ready for Work. The partnerships across this work-ready community grew a small data-driven proof of concept into a $10 million venture that has eliminated financial barriers so individuals can access quality training, education, and gainful employment. Ready for Work is a podcast from ACT, spotlighting excellence and innovation throughout the workforce ecosystem. Jason Jones hosts this journey with trends and ideas to help your region's workforce reach its highest potential now, now, let's, let's get, get ready, ready for, for work. work. Alex Loverin and Lindsay Gibbs combined have over 17 years of experience working in fields where braided funding was key in the development and success of programs. In their current roles, they collaborate by aligning goals and partnerships to drive innovation in their community. Currently, they manage over 10 million in funds to eliminate financial barriers for individuals to gain access to quality training, education, and gainful employment. In this workshop recorded at the ACT Workforce Summit in Nashville, Alex and Lindsay share their insights on braiding funding, aligning goals, and developing key partnerships. We'll begin with a quick overview of the work at Metro Community College and a deeper dive into braided funding. So a little bit about us. So why are we here at ACT talking about our braided funding? We are currently a work ready community through Douglas County through our initiative with the NCRC and the Workcase curriculum. So from 2018 to date, we now have, I believe, over 4,900 NCRCs that have been issued in our community, which is huge for our community. A little bit about MCC. We are actually from the Community and Workforce Education Division. We're focused on non-credit credentialing that leads individuals into employment. We have about 585,000 um, residents in Douglas County alone, but we serve three other counties. We have over 10 different satellite location campuses. These can be express sites, collaborative sites with community partners or our main campuses. In 2018-19, we had over 200,000 non-credit contact hours with our students. So that's pretty impactful with the work that we're doing. And it also shows a need to braid these funding so we can continue to serve everybody. So what is braiding funding? So braiding funding is a practice of combining multiple funding sources to support a particular program and or initiative. So with our programs, although our department, we're with the Community Workforce Education Department uh, Division, We've primarily focused on short-term industry-recognized credentialing and certifications. Our shortest credential is two weeks. Our longest credential is about nine months. It's a code school. Actually, I think that just got extended to about a year. So for us, it's really everything that a typical higher education institution on the credit side can't do or doesn't have the ability to do. So currently we have about what 32 different non-credit short-term training programs that we currently offer and now we're starting to bridge into credit. Bridging into credit, now we are able to serve students and prospective career seekers 
not only from 32 programs, but now upward to 200 plus programs in our community, which is huge for our institution, which also meant that we needed to really figure out how we are gonna braid our funding and leverage the funds that we have to ensure that we are creating pathways from non-credit to credit for any and everybody, no matter what credential they're coming into the door with or earning while they're working with us. So we have Career Forward, which is funded by the American Rescue Plan Act. We have about $9 million that was allocated to our community college over the course of four years. That's the program that really spearheaded us being able to now serve not only non-credit students, but now credit students. So going from 32 programs to over 200 programs. We also have the GAP Assistance Program, which is state funding. Alex actually is the director over that program. That one primarily serves non-credit training, but we do have some credit trainings that students could enroll in. We also have adult basic education funds through private donors and uh, state of Nebraska. And then we have some other grant funds that come in like EDA funds, Build Back Better funds. We have other grants with like Jobs for the Future. It's just like mini grants that come in that usually aren't on the scale of like millions and millions and millions of dollars, usually they're about two million and under. And then we have federal funding with the SNAP Employment and Training Program, which again, Alex is the director of that program. So what does that mean? That's a lot of funds. So collectively, our division oversees about $20 million in grant funds that we are able to utilize to really keep our operations moving forward and serve every student that wants or needs education that may not have financial means in order to do that. So what does that mean? Those funds, the way we have braided it, covers majority, what, 80% of our staff members, and that's full-time salary staff members, covers 100% of tuition, fees, books, supplies, credential costs, and pays our students $16 an hour for being in seated class time. On top of that, it also offers hardship assistance. So if we have somebody that needs rental assistance, transportation assistance, clothing for an interview, clothing for their first day of work and to continue their first day of work, first week, month, work, et cetera. And then also on top of that, it also covers all the supportive services and integrated support that we have. Um, so for almost all of our technical training programs, we also use uh, integrated education and training. So that means along with a technical instructor, we have another individual that is in that classroom with those individuals supporting them through that curriculum, helping them with any deficiencies, math, English, language, making sure that they also have the tools to be successful in that classroom and supporting them through that technical training. Next, Alex walks us through the participant flow for eligibility determination and alternative funding as needed. So this is kind of along the lines of what Lindsay was just talking about. Our career skills coaches, they screen the, the students for eligibility. So they're going to go in and meet with our students and they're going to say, okay, we know gap funding is a once in a lifetime funding source. Have you used this funding? If no, then we'll continue with the application process. If you've already used it, then we're going to look at the other funding mechanisms that we have in place to screen you for eligibility with those. And then the application process is completed, the applications themselves go through a quality check, and we verify that they are indeed eligible. From there, they get registered, their tuition support, textbooks, supplies, exams, everything is covered, and then they get that workforce support grant. Our hope is that by providing all of these services and braiding the funding together, everything, all of that is going into the student, and that's increasing the student's success in the program and into the workforce. You're listening to Ready for Work, 
the best and brightest of the workforce ecosystem. Ready for work. In our next segment of the podcast, Lindsay shares opportunities to consider along the journey to funding sustainability. And Alex helps us identify potential obstacles and ways to overcome challenges. With every funding that you receive, there's gonna be opportunities and obstacles, right? We're gonna be very transparent about some of the opportunities and obstacles that we have experienced through this journey. In terms of some of the opportunities that we have experienced, and again, this is very specific to our institution and our funding mechanisms that we receive, obviously increased resources. When you have increased resources, you can serve more folks, you can hire more folks, and let's be honest, we all need folks to help move the initiatives that we are all working on. Greater impact potential. One of the biggest goals that we have as a department and a division, and you'll hear our executive director say it all the time, she wants to end poverty. Well, how do you end poverty? By education, by knowledge. Knowledge is the most powerful tool that you can give an individual that can never be taken away from them. The more education and training we can provide, the more knowledge we provide, the more successful that person is able to be in their future. Increased collaboration. So with all of the funding mechanisms that we listed, there is a required collaboration in some sort. We work very closely with our American Job Center, with our WIOA partners, and also with our businesses. We cannot create training programs without at least three businesses signing off that yes, this is a training program with certifications that align to job openings that we would hire for. We can't do that. We can't do anything without them at the table. Holistic solutions. We know that working with students and working with clients, their situations are very individualized. There is never a one stop, this is how we're gonna deal with this solution at this time. I like to say the reason why I like coming to work every day is because every day is so different and you never know what you're walking into. You never know what problem you might have to solve, what issue might arise, what much challenge, but also you never know what wins and successes you're gonna walk into. There's so many different ways that we can work with our students and be able to serve our students and clients that it truly does allow us to have more of a holistic solution. Also goal alignment. So for all of the funding mechanisms that we have, we ensure that our goals at the end of the day are aligned. And most of the time it's around how many students are you serving, your employment post training rate, there needs to be a threshold there, but then also a certification rate. How many students are you saying are going to meet their credentials or complete their program and then end up getting into employment and then retention six months post employment? Those are standardized goal alignment in almost every grant application and every funding that we have. But also split cost match. So I know not everybody always has the opportunity to do this because in order to do a split cost match, you usually gotta have funds already on the table. So I know that that can be very difficult for some folks, but for our institution, it tends to be a little bit easier because we typically already have funds that are allocated that then we're able to match. So that way, when we apply for the next grant, we can just kind of keep using those same matches every single time. We also have a grants accounting department that literally monitors that for us. I love having a grants accounting person that can help us monitor who's a match, how much they're matched for, are they 50%, 40%, what's your indirect, what's your direct. They're amazing at that. And then program staff and sustainability. And this is probably the biggest opportunity. And again, going back to my executive director, the one thing that she has been amazing about is when one grant is about to end, before it ends, we have another grant or program starting. So that way in terms of program and staff sustainability, 
they just roll over to that new one. I've been at the college for about seven years and have yet ever seen anybody be let go from a program due to funding being ended. We are always rolling over and the good part is when you roll over, it's same program alignment, same goal alignment. You just keep doing what you're doing. You keep making that impact. You keep continuing the great work that you're doing. So some of the obstacles, complexity of resources. So in this, I think about the opportunity is increased resources, yes, but the complexity is, okay, which funding stream needs this again? I mean, even yesterday I was like, Lindsay was back there and I was presenting, I was like, hey, what was that percentage? So it's just making sure that you have all of your notes and you are staying in alignment with all of the funding streams that you have for your resources. Greater impact potential, that's that accountability. Yes, you want to provide that huge impact while also making sure that you're not losing anything anywhere. You're meeting the grant deliverables, you're meeting the funding goals while also meeting everything that the student needs, your staff needs, so that accountability. Increased collaboration, the obstacle there is the fragmented integration. Now, if you're working together and you're communicating and you're collaborating, everything can be streamlined, but when it is fragmented, it, it's very noticeable. We've been there, we've worked through this, thinking about our integrated education and training programs. You know, when you're in your infancy and you're learning and you're growing, there are pieces it's like, oh shoot, I didn't put it in this database, I put it in this one. There's fragmentation and who should be doing this because it's attached to this funding piece, but this person is doing. So really it's just having those clear roles, understanding who's doing what, working together and collaborating. And that goes right into the administrative challenges that I was just speaking of. Goal alignment is also can be an obstacle if we're not ahead of it. The change management, when we're offboarding one grant, onboarding the other, making sure that the communication is streamlined. Again, Lindsay's talking about our executive director. She's great at that grants and then communicating when one's ending and when one is coming on and making sure all those goals are aligned. But as with everywhere you go, some people who don't like change, some people who do like change. So it's working with that individual, knowing what they prefer. Split cost and match. So it's great, it's an opportunity because the entire cost isn't on the agency, but the obstacle is that if it's a match, a reimbursement match, you do have to have that money up front, and then you're being reimbursed. So sometimes that can be an obstacle depending upon the size of your agency and then the wait time to get that reimbursement. We've had some funding that it can take two, three, four months to get the actual money in the office once we bill them. Thanks for listening to Ready for Work from ACT. Ready for Work. As the workshop continues, Lindsay and Alex provide helpful tips for partnerships to consider at the formation stage, as well as lessons learned. So how do you get started? So first part is defining your project and goals, right? So if you already have a project that's going on or that you're working on or that you're already in execution phase, you already got to start looking at what comes next. How do I find other opportunities, other funding that might align to what we are already working on? So part of that is defining your project, defining your goals. Sometimes you do have to mix it up a little bit, add a couple extra elements, maybe take out a couple elements. But for the most part, the core of what you're doing should be sustainable. You should always have a sustainability plan that then 
you're able to utilize that into your next funding opportunity. Always think about sustainability on the forefront, so that way when you're looking for other funding, you already know where you should be looking next or already know what that narrative will look like. Research funding sources. I will be, again, very transparent. We in Omaha, Nebraska have a very philanthropic community. You got the Buffets of the world, you got the Logiers of the world, and they love higher education. They love K through 12 and they love the community college system. Without their assistance and without having them at the table, I can honestly say there is a lot of funding that our community college system in Nebraska as a state would probably not get. They are 100% very philanthropic. But on top of that, they also have requirements of what you need to do in order to receive their funding. So again, researching what funding opportunities, whether it be private or public, making sure they truly align. Also developing a plan. Again, our executive director, she's been doing this for a long, long time. She has this plan probably that she can spit out in her sleep. Alex and I are still learning many of these ways of how to develop a plan, but we can honestly say that having that plan and having it on paper, that's the one thing that she has been awesome about is this is what our plan is, this is what we're gonna start looking for. She's looking three years in advance before a program ends on how do we start looking for other opportunities. Who's at that table? Who's already thinking that they might wanna invest in what we're doing? So part of that is developing that plan. Collaboration, you never shut a door. You never shut a door. And because that collaboration is always somehow or another going to be beneficial to you in some way, in some shape or form. So you can have good collaborators and you can have okay collaborators, right? Your great collaborators are the ones that you can always go to and say, hey, letter of support, letter of support, letter of support. How would you like to benefit from this? How would you like to be incorporated? The ones that are not so great, that's okay too. But you always keep that relationship going because somehow or another, you always collaborate. You collaborate with everybody in your community. Keep those doors always open. Which also goes down to communication. And then monitoring data for compliance and reporting. Again, when you're researching your other opportunities for your leverage funds, data, qualitative and quantitative matter. And so if you have a really robust program that you are invested in that you're working on now, that data is going to be critical in your next applications or next opportunities of seeking funds. They want to know, what are your outcomes? How have you proved your outcomes? What are your numbers? I can tell you now, like, at any point, you should know your numbers. If you're at a conference and somebody's like, yeah, I would love to invest, but tell me your numbers, you should be able to spit your numbers out at any point. But you should also be able to put that in paper and put it in a qualitative and quantitative manner. But then also when it comes to compliance, especially when you're working with federal or state entities, they're going to want to know what are your standardized operating procedures? What are your auditing procedures? What are you doing for monitoring? Having people at the table that are part of your organization that can help you figure that out, you don't have to be the one that has to figure it out yourself. There are other people probably in your organization that probably are subject matter experts in this area that can significantly help you in making sure you have these standardized operating procedures for whatever application or whatever resources that you're applying funds for. But then also having a way to evaluate and measure your impact, which also goes to goal alignment. One recommendation I will always put out there is have an internal evaluator, but then have an external evaluator. Have somebody that can look at it in a different lens and a different perspective. Your internal is going to be great because they know the institution or the organization you're working with. They can provide that context and that information. Your external 
is going to be able to be the one to be super transparent with you about what is working, what is not working, and then how do we fix this? And you know what? If it's not working, then how do we go back to the table? Your internal, like I said, they're usually like, hey, we're going to make this look wonderful and beautiful. My experience is my external is usually one that's super transparent. Like, let, let's look into this data a little bit more. But also your external evaluator is going to be great in longitudinal studies as well. So that person can be truly, truly awesome in helping set you up for what comes next after your funding or while you're mid-funding, what can come next or what can you start looking for? So what we've learned along the way, you need grant writers and you need great grant writers and great grant managers. We can't do what we do without them. We all play a role in that. I, I can't tell you how many sets of eyes are on a grant before we even submit it with realistic goals. Yes, we want to go out there and we want to save the world and in poverty and make sure everybody knows all the things they need to know and have all the skills required to go into their dream career. But we also have to be realistic with the grant that we're, we're looking at. Personnel, I think we've learned more is better. Always write more into the grant than you may need because you might find out that you actually need it and have a contingency reserve. Data alignment with funding sources. So that is when you're looking at, okay, this grant is ending, what's up next? Queuing up the next grant, making sure there's some overlap so you can onboard one while one is being offboarded and then ask questions. I don't know of any philanthropic organization that isn't open to questions, ask those. Think about data before you even start. Look at what you're gonna to need to measure. What are the outcomes you're saying that you are going to deliver and start measuring those. How can you easily measure it and easily communicate that? Can I add to that one? Yeah. And making sure you have a system that can track it and that you're not saying that we're gonna track this data but have no way of tracking it. Make sure you have a way to do that on the front end. And then that last one is just seeking the mentorship and partnership. We all want to be better and grow better together, and there's no reason we can't collaborate to get that done. You're listening to Ready for Work, the best and brightest of the workforce ecosystem. Ready for Work. How many people in this room, when they were 10 years old, said, when I grow up, I want to be a grant manager? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Many of us do not grow up saying that this is the hand we want to be dealt, right? Many of us fall into this type of role. For me, I needed hands-on training. So I got paired up with our executive director. I remember my first grant I got, it was about $250,000. And the college was like, oh, it's tiny. It's okay. And I'm over here like, that's a lot of money for somebody that has never managed a grant before. Great. But because she had the experience, she was able to mentor me through every single step of that. I learned about budget modifications. I learned about procurements. I learned about auditing and federal regulations. Like so much that I probably never would have known if I didn't have somebody that had already lived through that. On top of that, another thing I would highly recommend, I went through and got my project management professional certification. Again, super critical in me understanding the whys behind why grant management works the way it does. So anybody with any type of project management or formal training, I would highly recommend it in some shape or form. It definitely is enlightening. Alex, how about you? Well, lucky for us, we work at Metro Community College and a lot of community colleges offer grant writing classes on both the credit and non-credit side. So I was lucky enough to attend some of those along with project management with the mentorship and partnership. And we also have a nonprofit of the Midlands Agency that offers a week long 
grant writing boot camp. So there's lots of resources out there. What a great ending to a powerful workshop at ACT's Workforce Summit in Nashville, featuring Lindsay Gibbs and Alex Leverin from Metropolitan Community College in Omaha. In our show notes for episode 46, we provide a link to the when and where for the next ACT Workforce Summit. You'll find links to connect and learn more about Metro Community College and the WorkReady community at Omaha. Ready for Work is a service from your friends at ACT. A mission-driven nonprofit dedicated to helping people achieve education and workplace success. Discover more at act.org slash readyforworkpodcast. Now, let's get to work. work.